Welcome, welcome everybody to Deconstructing Topics Podcast, the hottest podcast that's going on now. It's been a while, it took a little, uh, a couple of weeks hiatus and, you know, kind of needed to clear my mind a little bit here and there, but we here, we're doing another episode, you already know, here we do the, we, we deconstruct topics about life, politics, philosophy and all that is in between. So we already know this podcast is going to be a little bit personal. Just give you a heads up. A little bit personal. A bit sensitive. But I'm going to say a lot of things that people might say, whoa, whoa. And it's definitely a personal topic for me. As we're going to be discussing the story of Khalif Browder and the weaponization of migrants. So it's going to be like two podcasts in one, but you're going to definitely clear. You're going to see what, what the connection will be in regards to those two topics that we'll be discussing. Absolutely. As always, I appreciate the support. All that good feedback that I'm getting. Uh, one of my brothers in home, but they see me now. They call me the deconstructor because I'm the author, the host of deconstructing topics. So Absolutely. Let's get on with the show. Like I said, it's going to be a little bit on the personal side, a little on that sensitive side, a little bit. And I apologize in advance, but hey, this is a topic that I've been wanting to discuss forever and ever. And we basically said Khalid Browder and the weaponization of, weaponization of migrants. So just to give you a, a, an idea, a heads up on this one. Well, actually, let me get to to the story of Khalif Browder, who was a 16-year-old kid from the Bronx, right, though. That's right there. It's why I'm saying it, that it's, it's personal because it's on my backyard. And he was arrested in 2016. He was accused, I'm sorry, 2010. He was accused of uh, stealing a book bag or some, you know, backpack. He was detained. He did some three years in Rikers Island. And in those three years, I believe like half or more than half of those three years, he did solitary confinement. There's a, there's a Netflix, uh, I believe it's Netflix, or I believe that there's definitely a documentary that's out there. I'll put it in the link uh, in regards to his story, a sad story. And, and, and I'm just going to give a little summary here. Of why this is personal. Um, as he was in, in, in solitary confinement, a lot of stuff happened in Rikers. Um, when he got out, uh, they, he started talking about his story, and he went on a couple of talk shows and so on. And one of the things that they mentioned in that uh, documentary is that as he was doing appearances, talking about something that needs to be changed in our system, in our uh, prison system, you know, there were kids that thought that he had money and they tried to jump him a couple of times. They tried to break into his house a couple of times, something to that effect. And he was wrong, wrongfully charged with something that he didn't do, which was still in the backpack. And one of the things, unfortunately, after what happened to him in prison, such at a young age, what was happening in his home or in his backyard. And he took also abuse from the police. Let me not forget that part. Um, 
you know, there's videos out there of what he went through, and it's very sad what happened. And, and in prison, uh, when he was in Rikers, my understanding is that some of the uh, correction officers allowed these uh, group of kids, other kids or other people, to kind of break into a door and put him where he was by himself and he was just getting attacked by these kids because he had a problem with one of them. Because, hey, listen, you go to you go to prison and um, you got you to stand your ground. And it seems that Khalid Broder was one of those kids that, uh, you know, he didn't want to be part of a, hey, listen, gang or whatever the case because he was on his own. He's independent. But unfortunately, it looks like he rubbed somebody the wrong way. Some of the correction officers, apparently he rubbed them the wrong way. So they decided, hey, you want to fight? Go ahead, by all means. We'll, we'll, we'll stop the fight. Very sad. And the, saddest, the, the most saddest thing about this part is that all that happened. And I remember watching the documentary. I was like, wow, this Khalif kid, is, he reminds me of so much of Stuff that happens in the bronze where young kids fall into these cracks, the system just gets them. But for, for some reason, Khalif was like on some, I'm on a mission, I want to help myself get better. And I felt that because I was, at one point, when I was 15, 16, I was in a system in terms of, uh, I was living in a shelter system. So I could have just fall through the cracks, if you will. But someone, something about me, I always said, you know, just don't give up. And I... That's another podcast that I'll be talking about. For those listeners out there, for those people that are seeking motivation and just don't give up. So with this Khalid Bada situation, it's like, wow. It was sad. But again, the sad part of it is that with all that said and done, all that stress, what happened to him in prison at home, he decided to take his own life, which... Ugh. Devastated, very sad. That you know, right, 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 right now it hit, it hits me because it's personal. Because he was, you know, he's one of those kids that you say to yourself, and it happens a lot in the, in these neighborhood small kids. But the system just grabs you and doesn't want to issue it. Issues you and doesn't want to spit you out. And when it does spit you out, you're done. And so it's just at the age of twenty two, after years that what he went through and try to better himself and there was a lot of people that was trying to enable him to help him because unfortunately he started going through a little mental breakdown for those people that have mental health issues definitely the support here there's a lot of support all over so I'm here that's for sure but one of those things you know he cracked and unfortunately you know he Decided to take his own life. Sad. But one of the things that I noticed in that situation, something that people didn't, you know, I have not heard anybody talk about it. But I'm going to bring it up because I know I and, I and I experienced it. And I know that it happens in our neighborhood. So he was accused of stealing a book bag. And the two people that accused him, my understanding, were migrants. Yeah, migrants. This is where the weaponization of, of migrant part will come in. And this is something that I'm going to say that I a lot of people don't like to touch this 
little topic here what I'm about to say, but I'm about to say what I'm about to say. So you got these two kids, young kids, migrants, who point the finger at, hey, he, you know, hey, yo fueron, because they were Spanish. Oh, hey, yo fueron. They did it. That's Spanish, a little bit of Spanish for those who understand it. They, hey, yo fueron. They did it. And it's, it's, an, it's interesting because I've come across a lot of migrants, um, and, and I'll, you know, touch a little bit of here and there, you know, from Mexico, Central America, South America, is that if something was to happen to you, and in this case, supposedly, and oh, and just to give you an idea, um, he never stole the book bag. It was, I think it was nobody, somebody else, but my thing when I, when I, when I read that part, I said, hmm. So two migrant kids blame a black kid for stealing a book bag. That's not the first time I hear something like this. Because if one thing that I've noticed, especially in the Bronx and in, in, in our neighborhoods, you know, we got blacks, we got the Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Mexicans, Central American, we got a little bit of everything. Little melting pot, as they would say. But a lot of times we don't get along. We wind up doing, you know, uh, gangs and this and that and all that. And that's where I say this. There's a lot of parents, older people that come, migrate to this country. They have kids or let's say they have young kids. And if one thing they say, oh, if, if, if something bad happens to you, blame it on them, meaning the blacks. Oh, yeah. Things like that happens. I've heard and I've seen and I remember I was in the fifth grade. There was this kid. I remember there was a Spanish kid, Honduran. Very smart, eloquent. I remember he spoke very eloquently. I remember every time that he gives an answer, he'll get up with his arms on the back. Hey, uh, teacher, the answer would be this. And smart kid. And I remember one time the, the our teacher, because I was in a, what we would call a bilingual class, meaning that. All those kids there were Spanish. Um, so we was in a bilingual class. So there's a lot of kids there that wasn't that fluent in English that much. Including me. I was just learning. And I remember one day, like, he would have the answers for everything. And the teacher was, like, looking at us like, is there anybody else that's going to answer as besides him? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> So he spoke very eloquently, very smart, but I always remember this. I remember when we used to, after school, after three o'clock, there was a park across. So where we, we'll, you know, we'll sometimes go to a little park, People's Park, it was it was called, 142nd in uh, Brook Avenue, shout out. Oh, that's that neighborhood, that's that neighborhood, one of those neighborhoods, Mount Haven, Woo, fire back then. But I remember when we used to go and play, we'll go and play. But I also had a couple of black friends. I remember I had one little black friend, cool peoples. They were like a little brothers and little brothers back then. You know, he was teaching me English a lot. <laughs> and when, we'll, when I'll go and hang out with, you know, with my black friend, 
the Spanish kid was like, nah, I got to go home. Oh, I, you know, I, another day. And I didn't know what was going on, but it, it was just strange to me that he would only play and hang out with the Latinos, right? But I remember when it was, you know, a uh, black or two black people that would be hanging out. He's like, oh, you know. But I didn't, it, it, it didn't hit me until as I got older. And I remember that year when we graduated um, to the sixth grade. I remember he was telling me something like that his 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 parents was like, oh, stay away from the black kids because they just troublemakers. And I'm like, wow, okay. And it's funny because uh, I remember that same year there was these uh, kids, black kids. One time they were calling me, they were telling me, hey, go back home, go back to your to 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 Mexico. And I'm like, eh, Mexico? I'm not Mexican, Puerto Rican. But sure, if you want to send me there, you want to pay for a little vacation. But you would think like, oh, man, that sounds like a little racist thing. But I, I, I understood. As I got older, I'm like, wait a minute. So these migrants that come here, and, and this is their mentality, but they, they over here living with us. Now, for the most part, for the most part, in a lot of these neighborhoods, you always got the uh, blacks, the Puerto Ricans, the Mexicans, and Dominican, and you know, then then you get with the others, the Hondurans, Guatemalan, Salvadorian. You got you got a little bit of spots of here and there. So I remember how all this was going on, and I said to myself, "That's interesting. How these individuals come and they come in the, in our neighborhoods? Like why are they not living in other neighborhoods somewhere with you know with the white you know the white people?" And that's when you start to think, and I remember there was a, uh, one of the folks that I listened to, Nick Cruz from the Revolution, Revolutionary Blackout Network, he was on Twitter, and he was engaging in a conversation, and I'll chime in too, where he was saying that they basically use, that a lot of these individuals that are claimed to be pro-migrant, they actually use migrants to destroy black neighborhoods and I and I'm this is why I'm doing this podcast and I always said the same thing there's something odd and I'm in New York City New York City you know very liberal pro everything but I just find a little bit odd how is it that these migrants end up in our neighborhood like why are not in those nice little neighborhoods with the white people 72nd street you know park avenue why why, why are they not there and that's when you start to realize, and I agree with him, is that they're not here to say, hey, uh, oh, I mean, you know, some of these people that are claimed to be progressive, liberal, yeah, you know, uh, we want migrants because we want to help. Hey, listen, I want to help too, but don't, don't by one second think that a lot of those individuals that are in the streets, yeah, you know, uh, uh, let's help migrants and all that, they know what they're doing. So by then allowing migrants to go to these black neighborhoods, it's not to help the migrants to destroy the black neighborhood. They'll 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 use the police. They'll throw in some guns, drugs, and they know that hey, listen, <laughs> when there's uh, uh, poverty and people are, are scrapping or fighting for for crumbs, what you do? Hey, throw in some little guns. Let, let, let them. Let them bring guns from the south. Whatever it is. 
Everything is all set up. It's not accidental. And I don't say, I mean, I don't even think anything like that is accidental. Hey, listen, they, they, they let them come. As a matter of fact, we'll drop a couple of drugs here and there. They they do it. Because they know that, hey, we're going to probably try to pop each other off. Just to survive. But that's how it is. And I always said to myself, and it's interesting. Because I go back to that Khalid Browder. And that's the one little piece that I've noticed. That there's a lot of people like that. That day. A lot of migrants that say, hey, fueron ellos. It was dumb. Meaning the blacks. And and this is where uh, Nick Cruz from the Revolutionary Black Lives Networks like, why can't we just get together? Because one of the things that they perpetrated on the minds of the blacks is that um, these migrants come to take your job, and I'm like, no, no, they, they uh, uh-uh. don't think that way. Why is it that we fighting against uh, each other? But let's go after the person that's trying to that's setting us up like that. That's why I'm so. Against the Uniparty, which is another podcast, the Democrats and the Republicans. One hand watches the other. Ain't no difference in those two parties. I'll be touching another podcast on that situation. We're in New York City. We live in one of the most liberal cities in the United States. And I'm like, Wow. Why is it now? Now because of the migrant populations going on, you're gonna see little different. Uh, these shelters pop up in these nice neighborhoods. Now they're complaining. Oh, it's too many people now. I believe the mayor Eric Adams might have said, "Oh, well, I think we need to change our status of a sanctuary city, meaning a city that allows migrants and they're protected." Oh, now it's an issue because now they're going into those uh, these shelters. Now I don't know where are popping up. In these nice streets in the 72nd Street in Manhattan. Oh, now nah, you're complaining. But all this time, you was using migrants to destroy those black neighborhoods. And I always saw something, like, I always seen, and that's my thing. I've been in a observant. I observe. I'm sorry. It's like how these migrants... Are next to these black neighborhoods, like oh, like you go for the most part these big cities, Chicago, Houston, New York City, L.A. You don't see dumb living next to white people, and it's funny because there's other migrants like Bangladesh. They're in a little spot together, but they're not. They're not in within. How can I say? In the housing projects like that with the blacks and the Puerto Ricans and the Mexicans. They got the Asians too. They got their own little thing, their own little section. But again, they're not spread out like we are. You might say, you know, some people, well, you know, they like to stick with their neighbor. Eh. I agree with that, you know. But at the same time, the system, it, it, it picks and chooses where and where where these migrants go. If there's a black uprising, let's say the black people in this city decided, you know what? I ain't voting Democrat at all. I ain't voting at all. Trust me, you're, you're going to start seeing more migrants come to the those cities because, you know, that's kind of like the little old word. So you're not going to vote for me. You know, let's say if I'm a Democrat. Okay. I guess your issue's not going to matter. So I'm going to bring 
I'm going to allow some migrants to go into your neighborhood. You divide and conquer, basically. It's that, that mentality. And with the Khalid Browder situation, I mean, uh, it hurts my soul because it, it's, you know, it's personal. It's a little personal. Because there's a lot of kids like that. Really want actual black leaders? Khalid Browder could have been one. Who thought independent, who just said to him, you know, to himself, like, hey, I, I want to succeed. I want to do something different. Now that I went through the system, now I know what to talk about. But that same system that broke him is that same system that got him down. He will go back to his neighborhood in, in the Bronx and you see people around him thinking, oh, he got money now, so let's rob his house. Let's rob him. And unfortunately, that's poverty. When you, you know, that's another issue that we were taught is that in a lot of these neighborhoods where there's migrants, blacks, got the Puerto Ricans, woo, that's poverty. When there's poverty, it seems that we only condition to attack each other instead of just rising up and go after this unit party because at the end of the day, this unit party is the one that controls everything. And I always tell people, you don't have to pick a side. You don't have to pick a side. You don't have to vote for them at all. There's other independent people out there. Because they're going to continue to use this system to, 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 to destroy black neighborhoods. And when that black neighborhood starts to build on their own, something happens. So it's a definitely interesting story. A lot of people... Either remember the Khalid Browder story or people don't know, but I'm one that's one thing. And I remember, I, I believe it was a Malcolm X movie, the Spike Lee one. And I think at the end, they do this, uh, you know, I'm Malcolm X, I'm, you know, I'm Malcolm X. We got these different people, different ages going on that little, I'm Malcolm X. And with Khalib, I'm Khalib Browder. It's a lot of... There's a lot of beautiful kids out there that... They're just deprived from something because of the system that... That that, that used migrants to destroy your neighborhood. And that's just one situation there. Because there's other situations that I would touch bases, but... I remember when, 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 when on the Trump administration, the, the war, whatever it is that, that was going on, you see a lot of people marching, you know, separation family, kissing cages and all that. And I'm saying to myself, well, this has been happening for a long time, way before Trump. And it's still happening now, but you don't see anybody say anything at all anymore. But you see how they pick these things, you know, out of nowhere. So now Trump is the bad guy. So now we need to show like support for the migrants. But now it's it's worse. There's more kids in cages. There's more separation, but nobody's saying anything. Hmm, I wonder, right? Also now you got a a, a democratic president and now you don't say anything. Why? Because if you say anything, what they're gonna do, what they do when you was against uh, people that started feeling disappointed with uh Obama. Oh now you're racist. Oh now you're right winger, now you're pro Trump, nah. I'm anti-uni party. 
That unit party, it's 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 making suckers every day, every second. And Khalif could have been here with us. He could have been a great leader. He could have been here with us. And that's one of the things that I do sometimes in my time. I try to find space, find time to mentor. You know, I've come across young kids like that because remember I live you know, I grew up in the Bronx. I live in New York City. I know how it works. The only difference was that because I was and I always say because I was not born here. I was born in Puerto Rico. Is that I started seeing things a little bit different than people that were born here. See, people that are born here, they're conditioned. They're they're trained to think like one thought. So that's one of those things that yeah. So you know, this ran, ran a little bit long, but I needed to kind of like let things out of my chest because I've been wanting to do this episode. It's two episodes in one. Khalid Browder and the Weapon A Station of the Migrants. You know, don't think, don't think for a second that. Yeah, migrants, come, come, yes. Those people that are streaming, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, we're going to help people. No, 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 don't don't think that all the time that they're doing it to really help people. No, they're doing it to screw you over to the black community. Sounds a little bit controversial, but I like it. Everybody's much love, my people. I forgot to mention that. Much thank you, much support. You already know. It's the hottest podcast. Spread it. Spread it to your people. Put it on blast. Put it on speaker. Put it on all that. Like I always say, I might not be fluent in English, but I'm fluent in common sense. So let's put the sense back in common sense and show people, hey, let's make it happen. Well, I'm out of here. Great episode. Much love. I'm out. Peace.